It's good to see everyone today. It's good to be back preaching in the middle school. I felt like I was in church last week. There were scary things like three-piece suits and women wearing hats. So it's good to be back preaching in the middle school. Yeah, everything went great over at the second service. God is really good. It was awesome. Today we're going to talk about family. Family is a great gift from God. Um, I love my family. I cherish my family. Family can be a source of great joy and great happiness, but at the same time, it can be the source of great sorrow and a lot of sadness. Family can make things, see Justin, how he didn't clear it out? I got that old school Pentecostal in me until I roam around a little bit. Um, family can bring us, they can make things easier, but many times they can make things much harder. Family can be a source of such, you know, we can find identity in our family and great acceptance in our family. But at the same time, we can feel great rejection from our family. And they can be a source of great pain in our life. And today we're going to talk about and see the story of Jesus, how in a way his family rejected him at this time. They misunderstood him. They showed unbelief in the way they were acting. And there was a lot of family drama going on. And all of us know what family drama is. If you're from New England, you know what family drama is. And if your family's from the projects, you know what family drama is. And so my family, I just want to tell you a little story. My family, we used to go up to a place called Papoose Pond. We'd spend a week up there. It was a, a campground. It had all these different campsites. In the middle of the campground at Papoose Pond, we'd go there. There was a place where all the kids used to play. They had the pool table, the foosball table, um, and like a ping pong table. That's where I got my skills. I'm still second ranked in this church, but that's where I tried to learn how to play ping pong. And so all the kids would go down there and play. So one day I was down there just having fun with all the kids from the campground. And my family <clears throat> pulled up. We had a Volkswagen camper. They pulled up and they said, we want to go into town. We're going to go into the gift shops, do some shopping and hang out. I didn't want to leave all the kids. I want to stay and to play with all the kids from the campground. So I said, let me stay. I was like 10 to 12. So they let me stay. So I'm happy. Feeling independent. I'm 10 to 12. I feel like no one's watching over me. I'm ready to do my thing. This was about at 4 or 5 o'clock. 4 turned to 5. 5 turned to 6. I'm having a blast. I'm not thinking of anything. 6 turned to 7. 7 turned to 8. It's starting to get a little darker out. I don't even realize my family has not returned yet. 8 turns to 9, and they close the rec center. And so I'm saying, hold on one second. Did I miss... The Volkswagen camper, did it drive by? And it's like country dark out. Does everyone know what country dark is? I'm a city boy. So we have like street lights and we got the gas station on the corner and the store that's open 24-7. Country dark is different. It's like you can't see the trees. So everyone goes home to their family. They're going back to their campsites. And so I think maybe I missed my family. Maybe they drove by and they're at the campsite. So I walked through. The campground, it didn't seem like a star was shining in the place. And I got back to my campsite, and my family's not there. So I start to panic, because I used to watch the Creature Double Feature. Who remembers the Creature Double Feature? Godzilla was serious back in those days. And so I'm that guy that still watched Monster Quest, and I think there's something in the woods. I know they'll never find it, but I just like thinking there should be, could be something out there. 
So I start thinking, I'm hearing stuff. I have no family. And there's no lights. And everyone decided not to make a campfire that night. Everyone just went to bed. I don't know anyone. And so I see this one light. It was like a 10-watt bulb in this restroom in the middle of the campground. And I go and I stand under this bulb. And every once in a while, a car would come by. And I'd run to the car. And I'd say, let me adjust this, guys. And I'd think it was my family. And I'd run over there, and it wasn't my family. And I had the worst feeling, one of the worst feelings I've ever felt in my childhood. I felt like I had no family. I didn't know if something happened to them. I didn't know if they decided just to leave me. I was 10 to 12, fend for yourself. I didn't know what happened. It was a horrible feeling, and I felt like I had no one to go to. And believe it or not, I was a shy kid. And so I wasn't just going to walk up to someone's campsite and say, hey, I have no family. Will you be my family? I was just so. So finally, the good news is they finally came back. I, I don't know. It had to be close to 10 o'clock. I ran over. I'm crying, looking for an explanation. Basically, the explanation was my mom's from the projects, and you should be able to fend for yourself. That was the explanation. But not every time does our family come back. Not every time does our family return. Sometimes they reject us. Sometimes they leave us. Sometimes they abandon us because we're following Jesus. And Jesus warns us of this. He says, sometimes when you follow me, in some cases, your family will reject you because they will not understand. They will persecute you and sometimes abandon you. Jesus is going to teach us today how to define true family. He's going to teach us what's at the center of an authentic family. And he's going to show us the common bond that we all share who are part of the body of Christ. Let's turn to Mark 3, verse 20 and 21. It says, Then he went home, Jesus, and the crowd gathered again, so that he could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they, say, they were saying, he is out of his mind. Jesus' family, now there's been a lot of conflict on how do you say that. Do you say Jesus' family? Do you say Jesus' family? Brent told me, common is to say Jesus's, proper is to say Jesus. So I said, I'm more common than proper. I'm going with Jesus's. Jesus' family thought he was crazy. So Jesus has been preaching. He's been casting out demons. He's been proclaiming the gospel. He's been anointing the apostles. He's a busy man. He's a man who is on a mission. This affects him in two ways that we see in this text. One is it affects his eating habits. If you're a man on a mission, you don't always have the time to have your tea and crumpets at 730 your vitamins at 12 with a side of parsley, and your protein for dinner. Sometimes you're on a dinner, you're on a mission, and you miss a meal. Jesus missed many meals. His food was to do the will of God. He could go days without eating, but he couldn't go a moment without pleasing his father. Now, I'm sure his family wasn't happy about this. Anyone that knows old school Italian moms, If you don't eat three meals a day and overstuff your face at dinner, they're like, 
what'd you do? Did you eat enough spaghetti? Is three pounds enough for you? You're like, man, I can't have another one. And they're trying to put a cookie in your face. You're like, time out. So I'm sure his family, they heard about the long fast. They heard about his eating habits. They're not crazy about that lifestyle. Secondly, it affects his family time. You think after a long trip like that, that Jesus would go have lunch with his mom. He'd throw the, the pigskin around with James and Jude. He'd hang out. He got right back to mission. Right back to preaching the gospel. And everyone knows how family is when you don't spend the proper amount of time with them. Do you have your priorities straight? I brought you into this world. Lunch Sunday, 3 to 5, 5.30 when I have dessert. So I'm so Jesus as family was not happy about his priorities, about his eating habits, about his time management. They thought he was out of his mind. They mistook his zeal for madness. Now, many people in the early church didn't want to preach this text because they thought it was like disrespectful to even say that someone thought Jesus was crazy. I think it's important for two reasons. One is it's in the Bible, so we should teach it. Secondly, it's unrealistic for us to think that no one thinks that Jesus was and is crazy. See, we like to make this third group that thinks that Jesus was a good teacher and a good moral guy, when really no third group exists. You either believe that Jesus is the Son of God who came to die for the sins of the world, or you think he was absolutely crazy. I don't care how many good moral lessons you teach. If you say that you're God in flesh and you're not, you are cooked. I don't care how much I like a guy. If he's coming around saying, yo, I'm God, man. Shh, don't tell anyone. I'm going to say, this dude's clean out of his treetop. So there's no middle ground. It's unrealistic for us to think that people don't think that Jesus was crazy. Now, I'm sure it wasn't easy growing up in the family of Jesus. I mean, I don't care if, you know, James was the quarterback of Nazareth High. And he spoke five language and languages and had a 4.0 GPO. Your big brother is the son of God. You come in a distant second. On top of that, he never does anything wrong. You're getting disciplined. Looking over, you look over, Jesus is perfectly playing again. And you look over, you walk over and you say, what do you think, you're perfect? He says, yeah. <laughs> and he's telling the truth. My little brother says to me all the time, you think you're perfect? And I have to say, no, I'm not perfect, and that's truth. But Jesus was absolutely perfect. He never wrote like Kira does with Crayola marker all over her face. He never disobeyed. He was perfect. He perfectly loved his family. On top of that, there's a rumor that he of the Immaculate Conception. So there could have been some jealousy and envy among the brothers of Jesus. So their response to his actions, the way he, live, he is living his life, is that he is clean out of his mind. So what do they do? They go to seize him and take him home. Notice what this reminds me of. Did anyone see the fighter? In the fighter, when all 22 sisters and the mom say, where is Mickey at? And they're like, we're going to get him. Enough is enough. He's not with us enough. He's not hanging around enough. This new girlfriend is in his life. Let's do this. And they show up. They go to the door, and they say, bring Mickey out. They were like the wards. There was some family drama going on here. They were coming to get 
their brother, their son, who they thought he was out of his mind the way he was living, and bring him home. Now, in a way, their actions are showing unbelief. They're showing rejection in a way. Do you think it's easy for Jesus to have his family calling him crazy? Now, I want us to understand that Jesus was not a robot. He was God, but he was not a robot. He cried. He felt. He hurt. He was tempted. He was stressed at times. And when his family called him crazy, I'm sure that hurt his feelings. Nothing hurts you more than when the people who are closest to you, who you've grown up with, who have nurtured you, accuse you of things, and speak horrible things of you. And of all people to call crazy, you're calling Jesus Christ crazy. Now, we think about James and Jude growing up with, you know, their big brother's the son of God. But imagine Jesus growing up with all these imperfect people. He must have thought everyone was clean out of their mind. Everyone's sinning. Everyone's falling short. Of all people to call insane, you would not want to call Jesus insane. This is like the, the Knicks telling the Celtics they can't play any defense. Do you know what I mean? That's my last Knicks one. I got one more Knicks fan to get in the next message, and that's it. I'm done. I'm going to the heat. But imagine people calling Jesus crazy. It hurts the most. And I know many people have experienced this when your family says th- say things about you that aren't true. This happened to me. One of, someone in my family, I was preaching complementarianism. I was preaching a man leading his home, lovingly laying down his life, sacrificing for his family, providing for his family, protecting his family, preaching from the scriptures. And someone close to me called me, uh, one of my family members called me a chauvinist. That hurts so bad. Now, I'm a dude. I'm a sensitive dude, if I'm going to be honest with you. I cried when I caught my first fish because I wanted to throw it back and they made me bring it home to cook it. I petted the stupid thing. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with me? I'm crying petting a fish. So it really hurt me that I was called a chauvinist. I grew up and I saw men not lead my mother well. I saw my mom go through a lot of pain because men were leading her and providing for her and protecting her and nurturing her. So I vowed inside that I would never be like that. You know, when I, I started really following Jesus, I spent five years where I, I didn't even date a girl because I thought it was disrespectful to go from girl to girl. And I didn't think that was right. I, I have a high view of women. I think women are equal in value and worth and to be treasured. And I was waiting for one woman who I could love. So I met my wife. I'm committed to one woman. I love one woman. I married one woman. I have two beautiful girls who I love and I cherish. So for them to say that, for this person to say that, it hurt me so much. So much. Now amplify that so much more. And think about Jesus coming down from heaven, perfectly sane, laying down his life, sacrificing his life, giving his life for mission, preaching, sacrificing males, ready to go through pain, ready to endure the cross, and his own family is calling him crazy. I want us to feel the weight of that. Because if they thought Jesus was crazy, they will think that we are crazy. And some of us are. But 
Jesus went through family drama. And if anyone knows how to perfectly love their family, it's Jesus. He's always been in community. He's been in community, not even just always and forever, with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the reason we even have family is the overflow of that love to us, the gift of family. So let's read this next text, next portion of the text today. Let's turn to Mark 331-35. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, sister, and mother. So let's just do a little background in the family culture at that time. If you were part of the Jewish people, there were three things that, you know, three points I want to make here. If you were in family, you were close in proximity and relationship. So if you moved away, you moved like two huts away. Like ten goats away you moved. It wasn't like you moved to Minnesota, California, Florida. That's hard for us to understand in Western civilization, Western culture, because we, we move away. We go to school, and that's good. And so we're not always with our family every day. They lived in close community. Sometimes they even lived in the same house. That wasn't uncommon for a family, you know, for someone to live with their in-laws. Now Joe Vec and Nancy have been trying to do that to me for years, and I've almost took the bait a couple of times. But I can only watch so much of the War Channel. Do you understand me? So they were close in relationship. And they were close in proximity. Secondly, a lot of time they were business units. So if your dad was a fisherman, your granddad was a fisherman, you were a fisherman, you went out and you worked together. Your livelihood was connected. Your finances were connected. You were around your family every day. And they looked at the bond, the God-given bond of family, as a way of thinking and living. No, it was your loyalty to your family was an outworking of your loyalty to Israel and to the people of God. And when you undermine that, you are undermining the way they thought about the world and themselves. So family was held in high view. So when Jesus' family comes to get him, comes to take him out of that place, and he's passing along the message, Everyone is expecting Jesus to get up, say, yo, my mom's here. Let me go out and see what mom wants. Sure, people were laughing. He's in his 30s. His mom's still coming to get him. But they're passing the message through the crowd, and they're expecting, because the way they've been taught, his mom and his brother's here, Jesus is going to get up, and he's going to go outside. But he does something revolutionary. He redefines family. And I want us to hear this, because this is the big idea today. He uses a rhetorical question. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? So right away, people are like, what are you talking about? Your mother and your brothers, they're outside. She's the one that brought you in this world. They're the one you grew up with and wrestled with and teased you. Those are your mother and your brothers. But he redefines it. And he says, these, looking around at the crowd that was there, and this crowd was made up of people who were seeking to follow Jesus, people who were following Jesus, future apostles, and he says, these are my mothers, these are my brothers, these are my sisters. So people say, like, what is he talking about? Some people would have thought, is Jesus punking his mom? 
Is he punking his brothers? Not at all. He's doing what he always did. He's getting to the deeper issue. He's getting to the heart issue. Jesus loved his family. No one loved their family more than Jesus did. He perfectly loved his mother and his brothers. But he is trying to teach us the deeper issue. And how does he teach us to identify true family? They do the will of God. True family is made up of all those who have been saved by grace, who have repented and put their faith in Christ, and who are following Jesus. He redefines family for us. He looks around if he was here today and he says, These are your mothers, these are your fathers, these are your brothers, these are your sisters. These are your sons. These are your daughters. That's serious that Jesus was saying that. And so this has a few implications. First of all, I want to make this point. I am not saying that we shouldn't cherish and love our immediate family. You know, some weird churches be like, leave your family. They're watching TV. Come with us. I'm not saying that at all. But Jesus is getting us ready For times when we will be rejected by our family. And what's great is in this congregation, in our church as a whole, many of us have believing parents and believing brothers and sisters. And that's God's gift to us. And we should cherish them. We should love them. But there will be times when we are rejected for the way we are living our life, for following Jesus. There are times when you make a stand when your family won't agree with your time management or the way you're living your life. And that's okay because God has given us a new family, a true family. A family who is on the same mission as us. A family who has the same priorities as us. A family who is following the same Savior as us. A family who knows the same gospel so that we can forgive one another when we hurt each other. And also... The good news is sometimes, in some cases, our family might only reject us for a time. So James and Jude at this time, like in John 7, 3 through 10, it says they did not believe in Jesus, that he was who he said he was. But they also, after his resurrection, became believers and penned books in the New Testament. James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, um, writing a book that bears his name, and the same with Jude. So God does redeem families at times, even though they might reject those who follow Jesus for the moment. We know that Mary was named among the early church. So God is good. He is faithful. He redeems families. But there might be times where we are rejected. Thirdly, so thankful for this new family. So thankful for you guys. I'm thankful you guys... You know, put up with me. Let me come around. Let me preach. Let me be part of functions in your family. And I just love the fact that we have a new family, that we can really love each other, and our foundation is Christ. It's built on something eternal. It's built on something that is not going to fade away. How many times has someone in the body of Christ loved you and cared for you like they were your brother or your sister? I can't even count the amount of times someone's been a father to me or a mother to me or a brother to me. It's been, um, it's been unbelievable. 
One story comes to mind. Uh, everyone knows I was sick a couple years ago. I got really sick. I was in the hospital for a few days. And I was just getting to know Matt Cruz. And so I had done the passer track, and we were getting to know each other. We played on the same softball team, but we didn't win a championship because he didn't hit a ball in extra innings to win the game. So the ball was close, but not that close. And so I didn't want anyone to come and see me. I didn't even want my daughters to come and see me because I was so sick. I didn't want them to see me like that. Probably my pride. My wife was coming sparingly. I was like, let me just get through this. Then I'll go see the world. So Matt kept calling my wife and saying, can I come and visit him? I'm thinking, no, man. I don't want that bald-headed brother coming to visit me. I just want to be alone. But he kept calling him, like, tell him, tell him no, Natalie. Tell him no. Finally, get a call from Natalie. She said, Matt wouldn't take the answer no. He's coming to the hospital. I said, here we go. So he comes in. You know, Matt, he's always on a mission. I'm surprised he eats. And so he sits down. He gets to point A, B, and C. You know, how you doing? The gospel's true, and I love you. <laughs> and so I remember thinking, like, why is this, you know, why is this dude here? Like, really, I've known him. We're getting to know each other. But there's members of my family who haven't even come to visit me because I just don't want visitors. You know the reason he was there? He was there because of Jesus. He was there because the gospel is true. He's there because the Holy Spirit did a work in his heart, and now I was his brother. And that is the common bond that we all share. The Holy Spirit has done a work in our heart, and he has made us one. The gospel is true. We are family. And that is great news, that we have people who are going to lay down their life for us, that we're going to lay down our life for each other, that we're going to be there for each other, that even if we are rejected, even if we are left alone for following Jesus, we still have a family to go to. We are not left alone. God did not make us to be alone. He has given us a family that Christ died for. He died to bring us together. He died to bring a people to himself. He died for you and me so we could share that bond and that common vein would run through us. That is great news. So Jesus redefines family. And he tells us that we all are brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. So how do we define family? All those who follow Jesus. What is at the center of true family? Jesus, what is the common bond that brings us all together? The Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel. Amen. Let's rejoice in that today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this family. I thank you that you have given us each other and that we are imperfect, but we have a perfect father and a perfect savior. And Holy Spirit, you... You give us strength, and you have brought us all together. I pray that we would learn to love each other even better and to be there for each other even more. And for those who have been rejected by family, Lord, for following you, I pray that you would comfort them and reveal this truth to them today, that they have a family, that they are part of the family of God. Let your spirit be here for the rest of the service, Lord, and we just thank you. Amen.